0: Thank you guys so much. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And uh, as you're turning, let me just say thank you to each and every one of you uh, last week who uh, wished me a very, very happy birthday. Yes, I'm double nickels now. And uh, Monday, I actually got my first senior discount. It was amazing. I was, uh, I was actually with Tim... And uh, went to check out, and and the man said, "Senior." I was like, "What gave it away?" I was like, "Was it my white hair?" I said, "What gave it away?" He said, "Senior." I said, "Yes." And he said, "Military?" I said, "Well, which one gets the bigger discount?" And uh, and so uh, he said, "They're the same." <laughs> I said, "Well, today make me a senior, amen. I'll take that senior discount. But thank you so much for all the cards and." And uh, well wishes and gifts of love and uh, certainly for my wife too, who will be coming out of the back here right now. Thank you uh, for loving on my wife as well. Uh, Would you give my wife a round of applause? She deserves much more than that. She deserves much more than that, but she puts up with me. And so uh, thank you for uh, uh, loving on her just a little bit this morning. Uh, th- this morning, look with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I want to speak to you on a topic that I'll just be honest with you, the devil does not want me to preach this message today, but I'm thankful that somebody prayed him out of this room and prayed him off the campus, amen? amen. So I- I- if, I- if you just say a little prayer in your own heart, say, devil, get the heck out of here. Just say that right now. Say, De- devil, get the heck out of here. Get the heck out of here, devil. Uh, He does not want me to preach this message, and I will tell you, some of you may have noticed that things look a little different in here. And before we get started, I'll just give a little shout out to uh, our media team and everyone for making things work this morning. For those online, uh, the Lord has really blessed us this morning. You'll notice that our lightsabers are not lit up. Uh, We had switches that were burning and uh, melting in the fellowship hall and in some of the offices the other day. And uh, evidently there was an electrical problem uh, on the lines with Novec from this pole down towards Route 55 and back on the top line, the bottom line. Well, at some point it decided that it was going to attack some of our infrastructure. So our Internet went down, security cameras, phones went down, everything went down. We had lights that were turned off. Now, this is a crazy one. Electricians, figure this out. Lights were turned off, and yet they were on. On Friday morning, lights were on, but the switches were turned off. They would not go either way. We came in here, and the foyer lights were on, but the switches were off. The chandeliers were a little bit of glowing, but the switches were off. We had all kind of things going on. And uh, so uh, Friday morning, I'm just going to be real transparent, I had kind of put together the whole message on, uh, on Wednesday and then Thursday. And so Friday morning... You know, I'm like that eager pastor. I'm like showering. I'm like, God is good. Everything is great. I'm like, Lord, you're going to give me, please just give me a few hours of wisdom and clarity. Put this message together. We'll be good to go. Man, it's going to be a wonderful day in the Lord. Amen. And I get a call from Carl Pastor. We have problems. For the next six and a half hours, the Lord decided I was not going to work on... In everything, give thanks. And so I learned real time that what it means to be thankful even when things are not going your way. And so this morning, look with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at what the Bible has to say, beginning in verse number 16. In following, by the way, shout out to my buddy Addison. Thank you for coming and visiting with us from Baptist Bible College up there at Summit University. Thank you for being here today. It's good to see you. And Rachel, yes, good to see you too. Uh, (laughs) But it's real good to see Addison. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 16. The Bible says, rejoice evermore. Just let that sink for a second. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. That means don't ever stop. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. And then in verse number 18, it says, In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer and see what God's got for us today. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is true. God, that we can bank on it. Lord, I thank you for those that have gathered in your house today. Lord, we're certainly mindful of those who are still recovering from illnesses. Lord, we think of uh, Brett Olson. God, just pray that you continue to be with him and certainly uh, David Bledsoe and Leslie and the entire family and others who have been fighting illnesses. But Lord, we give you the praise for the fact that you have intervened in each of these situations and You are showing yourself strong to be the great physician that you are. Lord, we ask that you be with our members who are traveling. It seems like this has become a a season of uh, vacation for many. And so, Lord, I pray that you keep them safe and bring them back to us as quickly as possible. Lord, we thank you for those that are joining us today here in person and those online, maybe those who have been here for the first time or the first time in a while. God, I pray that you would speak to their hearts, encourage them. God, I pray that you would speak to all of our hearts that we might be challenged from your word today. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that God, today you would make your love and your goodness and your grace so abundantly clear that they will trust Christ as their Lord and Savior of their lives. Lord, I pray that you be with me and that my thoughts, my words, and my actions might bring you honor and glory in the next few moments of time. And Lord, I'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory, for it's in the precious name of Jesus that I do pray. And for his sake I say amen and amen. Well, if you haven't noticed it, today we live in a world that's filled with turmoil. Would you agree? We live in a world filled with turmoil, emotionally, mentally, physically, and even spiritually. As I look around, things seem to be spiraling out of control. To be sure, I don't know about you, but 2020 and 2021 have not been my favorite years of all time. Anybody? Anybody like, hey, it's been a great year for me, praise the Lord. Politically, it feels as though our so-called elected and appointed leaders of the people, for the people, and by the people. You remember those? Those those leaders that are supposed to be uh, uh, f- of the people, for the people, and by the people? Well, it doesn't matter locally, nationally. It seems that our political leaders have decided that they no longer have to serve or answer to us, the people. Congratulations. Welcome to 2020 and 2021. As I said last week... God's word and the biblical makeup of the family and home are now being mocked. They're actually being mocked. If you have a father, a mother, and a child, you're mocked and you're made out to be a new sign of racism now. I just, I was dumbfounded when I heard that a couple of weeks ago. Education continues to take on new meaning. I'm so thankful for our educators who actually teach. Uh, this the the subjects to which they are accredited to teach but education takes on new meaning instead of teaching English science technology and math the old uh, stem uh, if you please instead of teaching these things in foreign languages it seems that now our education is geared to teaching and indoctrinating if you please our children by the way they're not only teaching them at this age they teach them all the way through college and trade school They're teaching them a new form of history, a new form that determines whether they're good or whether they're bad based on the color of their skin. What in the world is going on? This is the turmoil that we're faced with. COVID-19, man, what a wonderful blessing. It's a scourge. It's a scourge. It continues to be a scourge on our society. Rumors of war and hostile takeovers. By the way, you can read about rumors of war in God's word. Rumors of war and hostile takeovers seem to be intimated by tyrants all around the world, hungry for world power and domination. Truly, it seems to, be, seems to feel like everything is falling apart. In many cases, it feels like a lot of things are already broke. Agreed? And so, I give to you verse number 18. In response to all this turmoil, I give to you the word of God. Because you say, Greg, what should we do? I say we need to get back to the Bible and see what God has to say. Quit asking, Greg, what we should do and start asking God what we should do, amen? In everything, the Bible says, now hold on, we'll get there. You're like, well, what does everything mean? Hold on, we'll get there. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Interestingly enough... Those two words here in the King James, everything. Now, you may have a version of Scripture that has them combined. But here in the King James, there are two words, every and thing. Actually, they are one Greek word. And here's what it literally means. It means all. Any. I know. Everything means all. All. Any. Every. Or, watch this, the whole. Now, look at the two words, give thanks, There it is again. So in everything, we got two words. Then we have give thanks. That's actually one word in the Greek as well. And it literally means to be grateful. That is to express gratitude. So in everything, we should be expressing gratitude. Have you ever had something happen in your life when you don't feel like expressing gratitude? You know what? I don't feel like expressing gratitude when when my stupid phone alarm goes off in the morning. Sometimes that alarm goes off and I'm like, I'm like, hit the button. And then I just sit there and cuddle with my little buddy Copper. if You know, my little dog, he he loves to make himself right at home, right beside mama and daddy's hip. And uh, I was joking the other day, yesterday actually, uh, our dog is getting a little bit older. And bless his heart, he'll soon be going to doggy heaven. I'm sure, one of these days. And we've, we've tried to just keep thinking about good thoughts. But he's getting older, he's deaf, and he's starting to go blind and everything else. And so I saw this little dog. We were getting ice cream yesterday, and I saw this dog. And it was one of those Labradoodle kind of dogs, and it's kind of like this big. And I said, that's what we need? And I looked at my wife, and she said, no, too big. Too big. In everything, give thanks express gratitude notice the last part of the verse it says and everything give thanks for this watch this this is here it comes are you ready this is the what will of god in other words when we think about this word will it actually refers to the determination Hold on, the determination, the choice, the purpose, the decree, or the inclination of God. In other words, God gets to choose what happens to you and I today. We say, well, man, that's not really fun fun. This is the day that the Lord has made. The psalmist said, let us rejoice and be glad, what? In it, in His day. It's not my day, it's not your day, it's his day. Sunday is his day, Monday is his day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They're all his day. And so guess what? It is his decision, it's his choice, it's his inclination what takes place in our lives. It was uh, the late Dr. Adrian Rogers, that gifted pastor and wordsmith from years ago, here's what he once declared. He said, God's will is not something that you have to do. It's actually something that you get to do. See, that's a way of flip the script. It's not something that you and I have to do. It's something that we get to do. Let's thinking about what Jesus said in John chapter 10. In verse number 10, you know, he talks about the thief comes but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But then he says these, these iconic words. He says, but I, I am come. Isn't that good news? He said, I am come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. Listen, Jesus wants the very best for you. A few of you are excited about that. Jesus wants the very best for you. But can I encourage you, having the very best, enjoying this abundant life, so to speak, was never meant to be defined by what things we have or what things we don't have. When Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that I've come to give it to you more abundantly, it's not that he was saying, hey, it's about what I'm going to give you. It's about what you're not going to get. It's not about any of those things. The abundant life speaks to how you and I live, how you and I respond to the trials, to the temptations, to the tragedies, and to the other things that come into our life. And Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I want the very best for you. But it makes a decision. It it, it makes a, a determination. How are you going to respond to these things in your life? You see, giving thanks or being grateful has less to do with all the temporary things that we get in our life and more to do with the giver and sustainer of not only our physical life, but our spiritual life as well. And so in everything, give thanks Every believer should be living day in and day out with an attitude of gratitude. In fact, I say it all the time, attitude is everything. Have you ever met somebody with a bad attitude? Maybe you woke up this morning and you're saying, that was me this morning. I had a little bit of a bad attitude. If you've ever had to work with somebody who has a bad attitude, I got news for you. You're not getting much work done that day. Somebody has a bad attitude? In fact, I remember when I was in Missouri, we were painting what was our fellowship hall. We called it the Round Auditorium because it was round. Hello, it was really, you know, uh, uh, deep thought there when we named it. But it was called the Round Auditorium. It was the original sanctuary of the church where I was serving as the associate pastor. And we were painting it one night, and one of the young college guys that was on staff with our janitorial staff, I had asked him to help us. And so uh, there was uh, uh, the youth pastor and myself. I was the associate pastor and the janitor. And it got to be about 1, 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, and we were still painting. And we had to get that thing done before the morning. And I looked over at the, the young college student, and uh, he, was, he was painting like this. And all the while... I can hear him grumbling under his breath. He's mumbling and grumbling. So I literally, from my ladder, from my position, we had three ladders out and it had kind of an upper part of the wall. We were, we were all painting. And from my position, I said, Paul, go home. I said, go home. No, 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 no. I'm good. I said, clean your roller and go home. He says, no, 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 I got got it. We're going to get it done. I said, buddy, I love you too much to let you stay here. I said, because you're you're causing us a problem right now. Because I'm going to have to come back and redo everything you've done because you've got a bad attitude and your attitude is affecting your work. Can I tell you that our attitude affects the way that we live? And if you don't have an attitude of gratitude, the opposite is true. And so we have to protect this thing that the Word of God says in everything, give thanks. And so our attitude concerning who God is is actually pretty important because it determines our level of gratitude. But I would just submit to you that God is good, amen? Amen. You say, well, that's what you're going to say. You're the pastor. God is good. God is good all the time. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 100, notice what he writes, beginning in verse number 1. He reminds us to make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. He says, serve the Lord with gladness and come before His presence with singing. Know ye, verse 3, know ye that the Lord, He is God and that it's He that has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pastor. Look at verse 4. He says, enter His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Why? Why? Because in verse number 5, the Lord is, say it with me, He's good. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures for all generation. The psalmist says in Psalm 33 and verse number 5, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. David understood the goodness of God so much that he actually challenges us to experience God's goodness in Psalm 34 and verse number 8 when he says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste. I want to encourage you today. Maybe it's been a while since you've taken a taste of the Lord. But I want to encourage you to taste and see that the Lord is good today. Oh, listen. Nahum. Actually, uh, Psalm 145, let me read this first. Psalm 145 and verse number eight and following confirms this fact. It says, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He's slow to anger and of great mercy. Look at verse number nine. The Lord is good to who? All. Oh, I, love, I love when the Bible says all because you know in the Hebrew or the Greek Bible college students, can I tell you something? You don't have to do a lot of study on this, but you can check me. I mean, listen, you want to be Berean, be Berean. Check me on it. All means all. Isn't that good? All means all. I had to go to Bible college to learn that all means all. How crazy is that? It says the Lord is good to all. And His tender mercies are over all. All again means all. All His works. Nahum 1 and verse number 7 says the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. You're facing trouble. You're facing difficulty. You're going through a season of tragedy and messy situation of life. Can I tell you the Lord is good? He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. Just hold on to Jesus. Amen? Amen. The devil doesn't want you to hold on to Jesus. James tells us and celebrates God's goodness. It says that every perfect gift, every good gift, and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Oh, yes, my friends. Our gratitude should flow from the fact that God is rich in mercy. He's full of grace. His word is truth, and it endures forever. And as believers, you and I, Paul told the church at Ephesus that we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings. Amen? All four of you got excited about that. It's not, I'll be honest with you. It's no wonder I think that we walk around as... Can I just be honest with you? Because we're all family, Right? If you're if you're a believer, you and I are family. I might be cousin Eddie to you, but you and I are family. You might want me to check out. You might want me to take my RV out of your driveway at the end of the month, but we're family. So let let me encourage you this. Do you know that we are billboards for Jesus? Hello, we are billboards for Jesus. It matters. The attitude with which we carry ourselves around in this Jerusalem, our Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the world, it matters how we respond. It matters what type of attitude we have when we see somebody hurting. It matters what type of attitude we have when we see somebody lying against the word of God. It it matters how we live and breathe, mom and dad. It matters grandpa and grandma, auntie and uncle. Cousins, right? It matters. It's so important. Our Our attitude of gratitude should flow from these things. Our gratitude should flow from the fact that we who have called on the name of Jesus have been redeemed. Have you been redeemed this morning? Oh, you should be grateful for that. It should flow from the fact that we've been redeemed, we've been regenerated, we've been pardoned, we've been justified. Can you imagine That God loves us so much. Watch this. He loves us so much. Here's what we deserve. We deserve deserve death and hell. Here's what we deserve. We deserve death and hell. But because God, who is rich in mercy, loved us so much, He sent His Son to die on the cross for our sins. That's crazy to me. So here's what God does. He redeems us. He regenerates us. He restores us. He buys us back, right, off of the slave market of sin. He buys us back into God's good favor. He pardons us and he justifies us. And that word justify, it literally means just as if you and I never sinned. That's how much God loves us. We ought to be grateful. We ought to be grateful for that. Our gratitude should flow from the fact that Jesus is our life, He's our peace, He's our joy, He's our salvation, He's our comfort, no matter what the Father's will. Show verse 18, guys. I know I didn't ask for it, but show verse 18. Remember, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. No matter what the Father's determination for you and I is, today or tomorrow or the next day, we should be showing gratitude. You say, well, I don't feel good today. Join the human race. I got up today and I got a splitting headache and you're making it worse. I'm sorry. I got up today and my back is sore. Go ahead. I'm, I'm there with you. I got up today and I'll be honest with you. I don't feel like even being here. You know, pastors sometimes don't even feel like being here. But you know what? God is good. All the time He is so good. Oh, we ought to have that attitude of gratitude. Honestly, our hearts should be so filled with gratitude that there's no room at the end, so to speak, for ingratitude. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 19. Stay where you're at. I want to read to you. It's just a few pages over to the left. But I want to read to you what it says here in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 and verse number 19 and 20, the Bible says that we should be speaking to ourselves. We should be speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart unto the Lord. Look at verse 20. Giving thanks always for, there it is again, all meaning all, all things. Unto God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 16. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 16, the Bible says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. And notice what it says, In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to who? The Lord. Oh, in everything, in everything, we ought to be giving thanks It was Chrysostom, the one-time archbishop of Constantinople, who after speaking about the sins of Constantinople, was driven. Chrysostom was driven into exile, okay? He was driven into exile. He was persecuted, and he was literally despised. And eventually, if you know the story or you read or do a historical research on Chrysostom, he eventually dies far away from the splendors of the capital city of Constantinople but at the time of his death it was September the 14th in 407 not long after Jesus left this earth in 407 here's what took place he's far away from the comforts and honors that he once held as the archbishop of Constantinople and so he's out there being persecuted and here as he's about to die It was intriguing to me, but his very last words that he ever said truly revealed Chrysostom's attitude. It truly revealed what he really felt at the end of the day. And here's what he said as he's getting ready to die. He said, glory to God for all things. Here's a man who had been stripped of his position a man who was exiled because he talked about the sins of the people, because he called them to repentance. He was not only exiled, he was persecuted, he was defamed, he was beaten, if you read on and on. He was removed far away from everything he knew. And as he was getting ready to die, he said he looked over and he said, glory to God. Glory to God for all things. Oh, that you and I would be grateful for the things that come in and out of our lives. And there's some biblical examples of gratitude that we can quickly learn, and I'm just going to run through them. The first one, though, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. It'd be good for us to move a little bit. And I think Daniel's attitude is, despite the risk that he was facing at this time of his life, is one that we can learn from. In Daniel chapter 6, you may recall, Daniel's born into noble life, And uh, he was called out and became a slave and was exiled as well from his homeland as a teenager. Can you imagine being a teenager and somebody pulling you out and saying, guess what, I'm going to pull you out of that comfort zone that you live in in the United States. And I'm going to exile you to another country. And in this country, you're going to be a slave and you're going to be indoctrinated. And you're going to live according to the rules and the regulations of this country. That was Daniel's life, young people. He's pulled out and cut off from his family. He's trained and served, but here's the deal with Daniel: he distinguished himself even in the midst of it all as a young man of integrity. He follows God with all of his heart, even as he's facing difficulties. But early on in Daniel's life, early on in Daniel's life, you think about uh, uh, he's he does. God uses him so much that King Nebuchadnezzar. What's really crazy? God uses Daniel right away so much. You see his integrity. But by the time you get to chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar is so uh, taken by Daniel in his testimony. The Bible says that the king actually worships Daniel. Can you imagine? He actually worships Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 2 and verse number 47, here's what Nebuchadnezzar says about Daniel's God. He says that Daniel's God was a God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets. This was the testimony that Daniel had in the midst of a very difficult situation. But time marches on, and I digress. And if you read in Daniel, you'll see that the Medes and the Persians come, and they take over Babylon, and and, uh, they set up a new king. And the new king's name is Darius. And Darius gets good word, and so Darius wants to put Daniel in charge of, of the whole realm. But just as fate would have it, there are, here I'm going to use air quote, other leaders who actually come to King Darius and they want Darius to set up this decree, this new mandate, if you please, that nobody is to pray to anyone except for the king for 30 days. Now, do you think that these other so-called leaders knew what they were doing? They hated Daniel. But they knew Daniel was a man of prayer. And so in the face of it, by the way, Anytime you do something for God, there are going to be people that oppose you. Can I just encourage you with that little happy, fun thought here? When you start doing stuff for the, for the Lord, there will be people that will oppose you. Not everybody is going to be for you, but anyway, they know exactly what they're doing. But look down at chapter, t- uh, chapter 6. Look at verse number 10, because here's what Daniel says. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. And what does it say he did? And he gave thanks before his God, as he did a four time. So hold on a second. Despite the risks that Daniel was facing, Daniel does exactly what he did before he gets down on his knees. And he gives God the glory. He says, hey, I might have to go to the lion's den. I may have to die. But you're not going to stop me from giving thanks to God. Hold on a second. I might have to die? I might, you, you might throw me into the lion's den if I pray to God? God? If I worship God, if I take time out for God, that's against your mandate. That's against your decree. I can no longer worship God. Hello, 2021? We better wake up. 2021, guess what? There's all kind of stuff running around in our culture and the world. It's not just in the United States. Churches are closing Droves and droves and droves. There are people today staying out of worship because of this, that, or the other that never would have thought about making that decision. Oh, can I tell you, the devil is slick. He is slick. But Daniel, his attitude of gratitude was not going to be stopped just because they told him he could no longer pray. You see, Daniel, for Daniel, his attitude of gratitude was not based It was not based on what God had done or what he thought God was going to do. By the way, Daniel's living as a slave in Babylon. He's still under under house arrest, if you please. Yes, he had been given position of notoriety and on and on. But the reality is he did not have his freedom. And yet he still chooses to give God the glory. Unlike Daniel, though, I think about Jonah. Jonah's attitude needed to be adjusted. Anybody's attitude ever need to be adjusted? Yes, I adjust my children's attitude all the time. Especially when they were young, I had to adjust their attitude. Well, sometimes, sir or ma'am, it's our attitude that needs to be adjusted, to be quite honest. But anyway, I digress. Jonah's attitude needs to be adjusted. You remember the story, God tells him to go to Nineveh. (laughs) Hey, hey, I got a great message. Go to Nineveh and tell them that I'm going to judge them. Jonah's like, "Uh uh-uh. Not going to do it. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to catch a ship to Tarshish. I'm going to go in the opposite direction. And so he does what he does. And, you know, in, in Jonah chapter 1, a violent storm comes up. And every, Jonah, he's just hanging out in a ship. He's just hanging out in the ship. And finally, these guys are like, what is the cause of this storm? You know, w- there must be a problem. Jonah gets up and he finally admits. He says, yeah, it's, it's, it's my fault. This is God's judgment. And so why don't you guys just throw me overboard? So this is what they do. They throw him overboard. Have you ever thought about God's mercy in that moment? They're at sea. There is a horrible storm at sea. They throw this man overboard, and God, who is rich in mercy, provides a great fish to swallow him up. That's called mercy. Giving him what he didn't deserve in that moment in his disobedience. And you say, I never thought about it that way. That was very merciful of God. That was God saying, I'm going to give you another chance to change your attitude, Jonah. And so you know the rest of the story. Jonah's in the belly of the fish. and Jonah chapter 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Jonah prayed unto the Lord, watch it, his God. And you you see his prayer, and he goes on, and you get down to verse number 9. Notice what what Jonah says. He says, I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of what? Hold on. Jonah, who had an attitude problem when God told him to go one way, decided he was going to go the other way. But now he's in the belly of a great fish, and he says... Hey, listen, I'm going to sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. And he says, God, I'm going to pay. Notice what he says. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And you know the rest of the story. After his prayer of gratitude, the fish does what? Spits him up as on dry ground. What does Jonah do? What's he do? He gets up and he goes to Nineveh. But can I tell you something? The sad reality is by the time you get to the end of chapter 4, Jonah needed another attitude adjustment. We have no Jonah chapter 5 to see what that adjustment looked like. When we leave Jonah, he's moping and he's angry because God has shown mercy to the Ninevites, not remembering that it was God who just showed him mercy in the belly of a great fish and gave him another opportunity. By the way, that's called real life. Sometimes we need an attitude adjustment. Sometimes you get the attitude adjustment and you think, man, I'm doing big things. And then two chapters later, you really need another attitude adjustment. This is what happens with Jonah. In 1 Samuel 1, the Bible records that iconic story. We referenced it last week with our child dedication. The iconic story and the attitude of a woman named Hannah. And here's a woman who is endured contempt and anguish and pain you know she's unable to bear children and on and on the story goes and so she cries out to God for a son and she says God if you give me a son I promise to give him back to you and so God obliges her request you see that in chapter one And then you see also over the next few years, her husband Elkanah and the rest of the family, they go up to Jerusalem every year. They're going up to sacrifice unto the Lord. And and it's as if Elkanah looks back at at Hannah and says, hey, are you coming? And she says, no, I'm going to keep weaning this child. I'm going to keep weaning this child. And it's almost as if Elkanah is saying, don't remember your vow. Don't forget your vow. Don't forget your vow. And so she weans the child Samuel. uh, And then by the time we get to chapter 2, notice what Hannah does. Lest you think she forgot her vow. Notice in chapter 2 in verse number 1, the Bible says, Hannah prayed and said, what does she say? My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. That was her attitude. Her attitude was full of gratitude. She says, she says, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none as holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Folks, Hannah never, ever regretted or resented her promise. But instead, she was grateful for what the Lord had done. Don't ever forget what God has done for us in our lives. By the way, I don't think there's any doubt in my military mind that Hannah loved her son. Do you think she didn't love her son? She loved her son, but here's the deal. Instead of, watch it, instead of worshiping the gift, she turned and she worshiped the giver. She said, I'm thankful for this gift. I love Samuel, but it was to God that I prayed. And it was God who gave me this blessing. And therefore, my worship and my praise and my thankfulness and my gratitude needs to be directed in the right place. Oh, what a woman. What a woman of God. The writer of Hebrews tells us that our praise, that our gratitude should be vocal Here's what he says in Hebrews chapter 13, and verse number 5. It says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for which such sacrifices God is well pleased. By the way, verse number 5 is in the present imperative context. The, The grammar is in the present imperative as far as the tense which means that it's speaking about the attitude or the habit of our attitude and the habit of our actions. The psalmist says this in Psalm one hundred nine thirty: I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yea, I will praise him among the multitude. Oh, listen, when it comes to our praise, when it comes to our gratitude, we have to get vocal. We have to get vocal with our praise. Can I tell you, if you never give god the glory for anything people will notice they will notice they will watch they will say why that's strange that's a child of the king and yet i never hear them talking about their king it's so important it was pastor teacher and author warren wearsby who once said this he said too often we are content to enjoy the gift but we forget the giver we're quick to pray but slow to praise I think about the Apostle Paul. He's on his way. He's locked up as a prisoner. He's on his way to Rome. You might remember this this, this story in Acts chapter twenty-seven. He's finally making his way to Rome. He's finished his final kind of uh, his final uh, dialogue in front of King Agrippa. There, he gives him his whole story and shares his story with Agrippa. And now he's on his way to Rome. And Paul gives them some advice because he had been out on the water many, many times. They ignore his advice and. So he's being transferred by ship to Rome, and the Bible talks about the fact that a hurricane comes up, basically, a, a strong storm or hurricane comes up. And verse number 20 of Acts 27 says this that when neither sun nor stars and many days had appeared, and no small tempest laid on us, notice it says, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Well, to make a long story short, Paul tells them what they should do, and Then after they had tarried and fasted for 14 days, Paul comes to them in that passage and he says, Hey guys, you got to eat. You got to eat for your strength. You got to take some food and eat. And he says, uh, we're getting ready to go into a a, a bad part of the storm. You got to eat. And so notice what he does in verse number 35 because God's word reveals what Paul in the midst of the storm. Here's what he does. He takes the bread. And what does he do? In the midst of a storm, he gives thanks to God. In the presence of them all, and when he had broken it, he began to eat. Folks, our gratitude should not only be vocal, but it should be public. I know that there's a secret society of Christians running around. Our, our, our Savior is, should not be something that we keep a secret. It's like, hey, uh, I'm... Sh- I'm a member of the secret society of believers. Don't tell anybody because I don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. I'm not not God. But if that's our hearts, if that's what's in our heart, I have to wonder, is Jesus really in our heart? I really do. Jesus says, whosoever will confess me before men, I will confess before my heavenly Father but whosoever will deny me before men. You get the picture. Our praise, our gratitude should be vocal. It should be public. It shouldn't be a problem. And this is what Paul does. He's a prisoner. He gives thanks in front of all of them. He doesn't do like a quiet, Dear Jesus, thank you for this bread. Thank you. All right, now eat. No, he gives thanks. Thank you, God. Thank you for this food. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for promising us that we're all going to live. By the way, Scripture reveals that all 276 of them, the very next day, it reveals that they all made it safe. They were all saved from this storm. In every gospel account, I mean, it's all over Scripture. I mean, gratitude is everywhere if we just look at it. In every gospel account, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John... You see our Lord's attitude. you remember when he feeds the 5,000 men plus women and children? He's weary and he's tired from ministry. And so he tells him, he says, let's go out here and let's get away. Remember, his cousin has just died. John the Baptist has just been beheaded. And so he's got a lot on his heart, a lot on his mind. He said, let's go out here and be separate. And then, you know, the rest of the story, the boy brings him the, the, the fish and the bread and in John chapter 6, this is what Jesus does. It says, And when Jesus had given thanks, he distributed to his disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Verse number 13 says that there were thir- there were 12 baskets left over. Reminding us once again that God intervened and God provided in this situation. I think about Chuck's lesson last week in uh, Bible study, and Chuck was talking about Worry. It's talking about how we deal with worry in our lives. And I was reminded, Chuck, from your lesson as I was putting this together of what Jesus actually said in Matthew chapter 6. Notice what he says in verse number 31. Maybe you're worried about something here this morning. Here's Here's what Jesus himself, the Savior of the world, he says, take no thought. He says, take no thought. Don't worry about it. Take no thought on what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to be clothed with. He says, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But notice what he says in verse 33. He says, but seek ye first. Amen? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Folks, you may not see, you may not see the proof of the promises just yet, but I got news for you if God promises It will be there. It'll take place. I love to say all the time, I'm headed for heaven and I can't help it. Do you know I don't deserve heaven? I'm not alone, by the way. Unless you think, oh, yeah, that's right. You're not worthy. You got your halo on so tight. None of us are worthy of heaven. That's a gift. We don't have to be given that gift. We already have a greater gift in being forgiven. Heaven is just like the... Now, I know when I say this, some people say, well, I don't like cherries. When they say it's the cherry on top of the sundae. Or maybe, if you like this better, it's the icing on your cake. Well, I don't like icing. Uh, you can find fault with everything. There again, that goes, speaks back to our Attitude. Oh, may it be an attitude of gratitude. I think about Jesus the night he was betrayed. You remember the Bible says he desired to eat the Passover with his closest followers. and, And what's amazing to me is Jesus is knowing that he's about to be betrayed. He knows that he's about to be arrested, mocked, and beaten, and condemned, and crucified. He actually gathers his disciples together, and through the Passover feast, you remember he takes the cup He takes the bread. By the way, he takes the cup. He takes the bread. And then after, he takes the cup again. The first time, he says, I'm not going to drink this fruit of the vine until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Then he takes the bread and says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Then he takes the cup again and says, this is the blood that I'm going to shed for you. And so all throughout this dinner, he is speaking about what he is symbolically going to do in and through his death, his suffering, and what? So he sets the example through it all each time by giving thanks by giving thanks he counted it an opportunity and a blessing to be obedient to his father's will we ought to count it a blessing to be obedient and willing to obey the father's will the writer Paul writes to the church at Philippi he says that Jesus in verse number 7 says that he made himself of no reputation And it took upon him the form of a servant. Verse 8 goes on and says that Jesus humbled himself and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 tells us that he did it all for the joy that was set before him. That's you and I. He did it all for the joy that was set before him. What a Savior we serve. In everything we should give thanks. It's kind of odd to me that it's so quiet today as we're talking about giving thanks. It really is. It's kind of a r- interesting. I can talk about, as I began the message, I talked about the turmoil. And I talked about the pol- political leaders. I talked about the education issues. Man, everybody was amen and left and right. Yeah, that's right. I'm daggone educators. Yeah, I'm daggone politicians. They're crooked. Yeah, that COVID is killing us. And Anna. and then I turn the message to in everything give thanks and it gets really quiet. Just kind of interesting to me. You see, we shouldn't give thanks. The Bible doesn't say in everything give thanks because everything is good. It never says that. It says in everything give thanks for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. You see, everything that we experience or go through is not good. It's not good. It's not good. It's not great. But you know who is good and you know who is great? My Savior Jesus. He's good. And He is great. He's greatly to be praised. In Psalm 69 David, he's crying out to God. He's crying to God at the beginning of Psalm 69. He's like, God, you got to save me. He says, my enemies are all about me. In fact, in verse number 4 of Psalm 69, here's what David says. He says, they that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs on my head. Now, the only thing that I can be thankful for in that statement is that I have fewer hairs on my head than I had last year. And so maybe there's a few less people that are hating me. But this is what David said. He says, God, he says, my enemies, they're more than the hairs on my head. They hate me. They're coming after me. But by the time you get to the end of Psalm 69, what's amazing to me is when you get to the end of Psalm 69 and verse number 30 and 31, here's what David says. He said, said, I will praise the name of God. I will praise the name of God with a song and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hooves. David understood that to sacrifice an ox, a male ox, that was a big deal. That was considered a perfect sacrifice. But in this moment, David said what God really wanted was his sacrifice of praise. Oh, we gotta have an attitude of gratitude. Gratitude. And here's what I'll tell you. The devil is out to distract you from having an attitude of gratitude. The devil wants to point to everything that's bad in your life. He wants to point to everything that's messy in your life. He wants to point to everything that's not going according to the will of me, myself, and I. As he did to me on Friday when I walked in here and the place was going crazy. There's power on switches that aren't even turned on. The lights here are doing something. I'm like, what in the world, Lord? Did you not hear my prayer in the shower do you not understand that I am on a timeline, Lord? Do you not understand that I was looking forward to getting out in your beautiful creation this afternoon and having a little me time? And I got no response. You know what I was reminded of? I was reminded of this message. God kept smacking me upside the face. He said, Hold on, bro. Hold on, little bro. Hold on, my brother. I thought you were getting ready to preach a message entitled In Everything. I thought you were getting ready to tell people that I'm good. I thought you are getting ready to tell people that I'm not only good, but that I'm great. And I'm good and I'm great all the time. you're a little upset about six and a half hour delay. You're a little upset that the computers are not working right. You're a little upset that there's no answer for the power problems. You're a little upset that you got switches burning left and right. You're a little upset that things aren't looking the way you wanted them to look today. And then I was reminded of verse 18. In everything, give thanks. It's not about the temporary. It's about the giver and the sustainer of life. The one who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, listen, not all things are good, but God's word reminds us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 that our great God uses and he works all things together for good. I can guarantee you we will not always understand what he's doing. I didn't understand what he was doing on Friday. You're not going to understand what and why he is doing it, but I can assure you that he is with us. He will go with us. He will work everything out for good. Why? Because that's who God is. That's who he is. Someone has said we shouldn't be distracted by the momentary. After all, we are being prepared to spend forever with God. So I wrap it up. No matter what we face, like Daniel We should be offering our gratitude to God, no matter the risk. Like Jonah. By the way, Jonah had to repent. I didn't share that with you, but in his prayer, he had to repent. But he also offered gratitude. Think about Hannah. She gives up that child that she had longed for, that child that she had wanted The child that she hadn't been berated about, that she couldn't have a child. She was barren. And what does she do? She turns around and she does exactly what she said. She said, God, you gave him to me and so I'm going to lend him back to you. She said, you're great. You're worthy. You're you're, you're the one that I want to give the glory to. We can be like Hannah. We can be like Paul. Maybe you're going through the midst of a storm right now. And maybe you just need to hold up your hands and say, God, I'm going to give you the praise. I'm going to give you the glory. And you've got you to be willing to do it. it. don't matter who watches. Remember, Paul does it in front of all who are gathered around. 276 people on that boat. Paul gives thanks to God. Instead of showing God some gratitude after he supplies our needs, a lot of times what we do is we show gratitude after the fact. Maybe we ought to do it like Jesus did before he supplies Remember when he had just a little handful of pieces of bread and a couple fish? He actually gave thanks before the need was met. And by the way, to be honest, the last illustration I gave you was Jesus, right? The last illustration was Jesus giving that symbolic picture of what he was about to do. Your life might require you to suffer. Your life, my life, may require us to suffer a little bit. But the Bible says in everything, look at verse 18, one last time. It says in everything, in the good times, in the bad times, and in the in-between times, it says in everything, all, we ought to be expressing gratitude Because this is the will of God. This is His determination. This is His choice. This is His plan for our life in this very moment. And so we ought to give Him the glory that only He deserves. Amen? Amen. By the way, being grateful may not always change our situation. But I can assure you it will change us in the midst of our situation. (laughs) I kept on. I'll be honest with you guys. I kept on trying to muster up gratitude. I would sit down, and I'm like, okay, God, I get it. I get it, you're in control. And then someone would come and say, this is now wrong. I'd be like, oh. "Oh." "Oh." More gratitude. You know what I had to do? I had to just gratitude my way out of the problem on Friday. Finally, I'll just be real transparent. Finally, on Friday night, At about six o'clock, I shut down my little laptop where I had plugged in an external hard drive, typing my message, going through it, and I shut the computer thinking I need to return to this and look at this again. So yesterday, that's exactly what I did. I went back to my notes and went through the whole message again. With a different set of eyes with a different heart attitude to remind even me that in everything in everything i need to give thanks i want to encourage you in everything give thanks today tomorrow no matter what you're facing no matter what you're going through if it's a risk that you have to take in the middle of a storm, whether you're on the mountaintop or you're in the midst of the valley, you know the Bible tells us that our Lord will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We can be grateful. And I pray that as we draw closer and closer to that traditional time of the year in which we give thanks, that you'll do exactly that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word today. God, I thank you. For the many blessings that you have bestowed upon each and every one of us who have called out upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, I'm not... I'm not sure, Lord, that we ever take time to say thank you the way that we should. But Lord, I want you to know I am thankful. I am grateful for your love and your goodness in my life. And Lord, I pray that these who have gathered together, those who are online, those who are in this place, God, that they would recognize their gratefulness to you. That they would understand that only you are worthy and that only you should receive the praise. And so, Lord, I pray that we would begin to foster, begin to rekindle, begin to appropriate an attitude of gratitude each and every day of our life. Lord, that's impossible with men, but it's not impossible with you. Lord, you're the one that gives us the strength and the ability to do these things. So Lord, I pray that you'll do it. I pray that you'll do it. I pray that you'll strengthen us. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this room that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, I don't understand how they could look at your word and not see your love, not see your goodness, not see your mercy over and over, even in situations like Jonah found himself in. That they could see this, that they could hear this, and they could understand this, and yet not trust Christ as their Savior. So, Lord, I pray in the quietness of this moment, if there's somebody in this room that needs Jesus, that they'll simply understand that you through your son have already done all the work. All they have to do is to believe and to receive Christ as their Savior. Lord, I pray that as the days wear on, God, that you'll be pleased with our lives. God, I pray that you'll do your work now in this quiet moment Lord that we're not focused on what we're going to eat or what we're going to do here in 10 or 15 minutes Lord in the quietness of this moment we would just be really honest with you maybe there's somebody that just needs to just be, be willing to admit it and say Lord my attitude hasn't been great God, I need you to strengthen me. I need you to draw me close to you. I need you to encourage me. I need you to remind me each and every day while the devil's trying to lie to me, while the devil is trying to distract me from your goodness, God, just keep reminding me. Keep bringing it to my heart that you are good. God, help me to exercise that attitude of gratitude each and every day. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.